All right, guys, uh, everybody ready? I'm really excited to play this awesome, awesome rules light RPG I found. Uh, so let's get started. Uh, can someone just walk me through character making and I guess the rules? I didn't really read it. Uh, I didn't have a chance. Jess, it's 10 pages. Yeah, it's 10 pages too much. No, my. This week on Modified Rolls. <laughs> week on Modified Roles, we are talking about rules light or micro RPGs, and we have a special guest, Ben Bailey, the creator of a bunch of cool rules light and micro RPGs, but specifically the one we just played, Midnight Codex. So, hi, Ben. Hi. How are you doing? Good. We're happy to have you. Good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, Ben, um, we actually played Ben's game, um, Short Order Apocalypse. Uh, over the summertime, yep. uh, had a blast with it as a one shot, uh, which if you don't know what it is, it's basically uh, retail workers or people with equally shitty jobs uh, taking a deal with the devil <laughs> and gaining magical powers to try to end the world. Uh, so it's just a delight. And we a had a blast game. running it. Sarah oh, ran it for us. Uh, and Ben actually reached out to us, which was amazing after seeing that and being like, hey, I'm working on this really cool game called Midnight Codex. It's going to be launching on Halloween this month uh and would you guys mind like playing it and, and checking it out and letting us know what you think and so we did we played that last friday as of the date of this recording and we had a blast with it uh so ben why don't you tell us a little bit about midnight codex and you know all the good stuff about it what it's about when it's coming out all that cool stuff okay so yeah it's coming out to kickstarter on halloween night or october 31st for those who aren't familiar with halloween um Let's see. Yeah, it's a one-page role-playing game. It has an urban setting, an urban fantasy setting, if you would. Um, but what's interesting about it is, in addition to the one-page rules that comes with it, there's additional one-page episodes. And these one-page episodes that come with it come with like a story hook. Um, kind of, it gives you goals on how to achieve the stories that go into it. Some NPCs some locations and even new rules these stories or episodes can be played by themselves or they can also be played as a grand campaign and on the back of each one of these episodes comes with a little bit of um flavor if you will like a couple of sentences that tie each episode to one another to create a overarching story and uh through what i call the meta plot and um it's pretty simple, pretty rules light. You need three six-sided dice, roll them. You get doubles, it's a partial success. Triples, it's a, a full success. But what's interesting is that one of these dice is um, the omen die. And the omen die, if it's ever greater than any other die you rolled, it causes a catastrophic, cataclysmic event to happen. And um, after so many of these events after so many of these omens um the world ends or the story ends for you if you're playing on a campaign and that's pretty much yeah, it we, we, yeah. we found that out when we played the game yeah. uh, but it was but it was great sarah did a great job running it and um yeah amazing job i, I really i love one of the things i want to touch on there and i'm, I'm going to ask you more we'll get into more like in mm -hmm. defining micro rpgs and things like that in a second but i love the idea of an episodic rpg Yes, thank you. So when you when you back this game, 
you're not getting like, you know, a Kickstarter delivery and then you got the rule book and like, that's it. Every month for a year, at least, you're going to get another episode of that game. And we've read, I've, I've had the opportunity to read ahead because Ben's sent me the stuff. And it's great because not only does it advance the meta plot that's going on, and so you have like a built-in campaign that, you know, if you're running with your friends, you, can, you have a story, you have a year's worth of gaming if you play once a month, but it also adds to the rules. So there's every month, there's like another little bit that you can add to it that you can say, hey, you know, can we function as a coven? Or, hey, can we do, you know, all these other cool kind of things that you can add in to the game as you go, or you don't have to. Right. And you also don't even have to, if you don't like that month's episode, you don't need to use it. You can use something else. So it's very modular. And, and I really love that because it's, I can't think of anything that I've ever seen in RPGs that, that do that. The only thing I could think of the way it kind of makes me feel, and I was talking about this a little bit before we started recording was, everybody knows I'm old as fuck. Back in the day, way back yonder, they had like the D&D box sets. And it was the basic set, the expert set, the master set, the companion set, the immortal set. And that's exactly how it was. The basic set was, you know, the little red book with the Larry Elmore painting of a dragon. And it was from levels, I think, one to four or five. Right. And, you, you know, you read all that stuff and you're like, oh, this is so cool, dungeons and, and whatever. And then at the end, you know, you played through it. They're like, hey, by the way, we got this other set and you can go and you can wander around the countryside. And, you know, that'll take you from levels five to like 11 or 12. And you're like, oh, that's cool. And then you got to the end of that and they were like, hey, you want to own a castle? We got this next set. And so the rules kept kind of, the world and the rules kept kind of expanding at the pace you played the game. And I really liked that because I remember you always were wondering kind of what was next. And it gave some, a bit of like wonder to the game that everybody had, the DM and everybody. Because nowadays you buy the 400 page rule book, right. you crack it open and you know the end game like right away. You can build your character from level one to 20 if you wanted to, you can plan it all out. And you know, Okay, and, and, there's something to be said for that sort of playing, but I don't really like it. Right, and, and to expand <laughs> on that too, uh, one of the things we were talking about a second ago is, uh, as a game master, you don't have any mystery in the game. You know everything. Yeah. Everything's yep. laid out in front of you. And with an episodic game, the game master doesn't know what's coming next. Right, they're playing that week's or that month's episode, and they get to revel in the mystery of the game itself. And so it gives the game master kind of the ability to play the game too, yeah. instead of just sitting on the sidelines being a referee or. And you know, that's something I'll say for rules light and micro RPGs. One of the things, the greatest things I have going for them, I think, is well, a they're simple. They're you know very mm -hmm. easy to. We made fun of it at the beginning of it, but they're really easy to pick up and learn. But two, there's an element of you can play a lot of those games where you as a DM do not know what's going to happen. And right. as a DM, if you, if you're yes. running a longer game you know, a campaign or whatever, you know, a mystery campaign or a fantasy campaign. I mean, I've known, run a lot of Call of Cthulhu. Everybody's heard me talk about that ad nauseum. But your joy as a Call of Cthulhu GM, you know everything, right? And sometimes right. you'll sit there and you'll be like, I can't believe these stupid fucks aren't getting this. Like, you know, it's really right. like the oh, simplest no. thing in the world and they're just like not getting this clue. It's, it's like me. I'm hitting I'm them over the head fuck. with this clue and they're just not getting it. But uh -huh. other times you're like, your joy is in watching the discovery of the things that you already know. Right. So it's like, you know, it's almost like watching a kid open their presents on Christmas morning. Like, you know, what's there, but you want to see the wonder in their eyes. But the rules like games give you aspects of being like that same feeling of I'm going to sit down. I'm going to educate the rules for this game, but I don't know what's going to happen at the end either. I just know we're yeah. going to have a story. And that's really cool. So right. I, I will say from from a GM's perspective, as the person that ran both uh, Short Order Apocalypse and our episode of the Midnight Codex, um, 
I went in with very little prepared on both ends. Mm -hmm. Uh, For Short Order Apocalypse, I, I had the premise and then the th- like the three like rules of the store they had to break in order to break the universe and it was because i was parodying ikea and i was like this will be hilarious and that's i just ran with it mm-hmm. i did not expect um piss what falafels? we got out of it <laughs> which is which is piss falafels and gray cat men and if you haven't watched that one shot i'm sorry but please do um, and then similarly with Midnight Codex, I had an idea of what the, and, and I will say, uh, especially with Midnight Codex and same with Short Order Apocalypse, they're read in a way that the ending or the true answer is very obscure and very up to you. So I kind of emphasize this throughout my running of Midnight Codex for, for listeners or viewers is just because I say this is the answer, that's not necessarily true. So it has a lot of replayability value for one, but for two, it allows you to take what your players do and use that to lead them to your conclusion, right? Yeah. So I specifically yeah. for Midnight Codex said like, all right, the person's doing this is this NPC and here's how she's doing it. And that was kind of it. And then as my players explored the world, I was like, all right, here are the things that they can find. Like Amber turned into a dog and started sniffing it around. I was like, all right, here's a thing I know she can, she can find based on scent and something left in the area. And I was just able to tie that back to the person I was kind of writing as my my villain. Uh, and, and so you're able to do that really well with a lot of rules like games mm-hmm. is your your ending can be a, a wide variety of things, completely depending on who's running it and who the characters are. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, I'll chime in with that, too. Like that's a, a whole bait and hook thing, too, with uh, with uh, GM. Uh, I remember running some larger games that but it works better in micro games or rules like games uh where a character will really latch on to something that doesn't matter it's something that's just obscure like i threw in a broken time uh a broken watch in a game one time and everybody's like oh this has to mean something this has to mean something so what do you do as the gm you run with it that's what they're Mm -hmm. asking for so that's what you give right Mm -hmm. and and it really works in a game like this where it has definitive ends and definitive beginning and so like you have this space that you know you can work within and it, it really allows you to flex as large as you want to get. So there's no, you can, there's really no cap. Like you can't break the game with power levels and power structures yeah. because it's all based on the die roll at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. The statistics of the die roll. Let's, mm-hmm. you know, let's, let's take a moment just to, to define rules light games. I think, uh, I, I think people listening to us probably know what they are, but, I, I think let's let's kind of go around. Jess, what would, you know, what do you think? You haven't said much today. I'm picking um, yeah, no, that's that's totally fine. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, like rules like games are just a very simple mechanical system, right? Something that can be really picked up with like one or two lines that you can kind of just understand what the resolution mechanic is. And um, short you know just like yeah. one to ten pages i love one page rpgs but um like the, the shorter the better and ben we kind of talked about this beforehand before we started recording but i love that idea for rules like games to have a theme to have a particular really strong concept yeah. that you can mm-hmm. really grasp and understand very quickly and then just run with the game yeah i think that's one of the, the strengths of, of of those games is you can really you can really dig very very deeply into theme uh, 
more than you would, you know, in other other things, other longer form RPGs, because other yeah, longer form RPGs have to be more, uh, you know, broadly based. Uh, so you could run, you know, a mystery in D&D, you could run a horror story in D&D, you could run all sorts of different things, but with a run page RPG, if it's horror, you're running a horror game, you're going to lean really, really hard into those tropes. And I, I think, I would agree with you, I think anything more than like maybe 20 pages probably goes outside of uh, the rules light RPG. Yeah, if I have to read like more than an hour, then like I'm not a fan. <laughs> yet you run Pathfinder too, which is like... And but Pathfinder is the only thing I run. See, that's that's one of the reasons why. Like I I refuse to learn like any other game because I hate reading game systems. So like I have the one game that I know, and that is all that I run. You know, it's funny because I have I have a theory that I've shared with Rainy and Rainy, Rainy and I are dipping. We've we've written a couple games, two games so far this year. We've written and published uh, both of them rules light. We wrote Pine Island, which is twenty pages, and we just wrote uh, another one that's a one page. Um, interwoven which is a game about a covenant of magical people trying to create a spell and they're trying to like create their magical summoning circle and you have to like use nodes and like some people might be trying to sabotage it it's pretty cool you can check it out in the dms after dark itch if you want <laughs> uh but shameless plug the fun thing the funny thing is is that having written like the 20 page game and, and we're working on a longer one too but having written the 20 page game one pages is so hard to write a one-page game compared to that because you have to fit the whole thing thematically, its rules, everything onto one page. Right, right. And and, and, and that, um, that kind of leads me to something too. Uh, like, yeah, the theming, like it's, it's easy to write off things that seem simple sometimes, like uh, the difference between a children's novel versus, you know, an epic grand uh, series that you're reading, right? it's not as easy to write those children's novels as you might think. Like they'll give you a limitation of words and things like that. What words you can use, how many words begin with the letter J, a lot of things like that to even make it on these readers lists. And that's kind of the trick, right? It's finding a way to give theme in like 60 words or less, right? It's a way yeah. to uh, bring people to a conclusion mentally, like the, so they can, bring something in their mind's eye forward without giving everything but enough structure right and mm -hmm. that's that's kind of like that that line that you have to toe when you put that together i think something that's also unique about uh small rpgs and especially one page rpgs is part of that theme comes out in the graphic design and the layout of mm -hmm. it. Uh, something, especially, you know, with the three we've been talking about with Short Order Apocalypse, I saw the graphics and it's all punk rock and 666 and metal. And, and it's just like, all right, this is a game where you cause chaos, fuck everything, you're ready to go. Midnight Codex has all this, like, all this beautiful cityscapes, but it's all dark and dark coated and kind of mysterious and misty so you know it's like all right you're urban mm -hmm. it's creepy um and then like pine island it looks like a book a child would get to put stickers in at a summer camp nope. so like you are already <laughs> in that mindset of you know what I'm talking about, like you know yeah. like the little book for yeah yeah up. yes yeah. i was uh, literally thinking that yep it's it's that thing. So you just by looking at the design of it, you that also helps get you in that mindset of that theme, which can start generating. And I think that's huge because DMs. it's that you're right. Like just that, 
just seeing those things. I'd argue that with bigger books too, like the look and the feel of a game is defined by its cover art, its artwork, its layout, you know, the, the pages, the borders they use on the pages, all that stuff where you could pick up like, you know, if you pick up, um, look at the difference between Pathfinder and D&D, right? Mm. And you can tell just by the artwork that they're designed to be different games, right? D&D is a heroic fantasy game. It's a high fantasy game. Pathfinder is almost like a superhero game, almost. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, if you look at the artwork of those characters and everything, they're, they're very, like, almost superhero They're bright, they're colorful, the world is bright and colorful. D&D mm-hmm. kind of leans more on, like, traditional fantasy stuff in their artwork, even in 5th edition. Always it has, but even, even in 5th edition it still does. And so, you know, those are, like, clues to the sort of game, at least that the designers intended you to play. I mean, you can certainly pick it up and play whatever you want with it, but that's those are the underlying themes of the game right mm-hmm. but yeah i think in a one page or, or a short game it means so much more and if you look back on the short shorter games that we played you know sometimes you, you're playing those games and you have to fight the best ones we've had where we've run one shots are ones where all that theme is built in and baked into it where it's like it's very rich so right away you can pick it up and everybody all of us can be like oh we get this right away Right. We get three raccoons in a trench coat. It's chaos, yeah. right? Just yeah. We're three raccoons in a trench coat. We're right. trying to do something stupid, right? The name uh, even alludes one, to it at there. Right, so. right. There's one yeah. that I played. We, I haven't played. We've never played it on stream, but we had a day where uh, my home group and Sarah, a couple people couldn't make it. So the people who could, we played this game called It Happened, it happened in a Megamart parking lot, which is just like, it doesn't matter what story you tell. It's just a bunch of people stuck in a Megamart parking lot and you can do whatever chaos you have we were invaded by aliens and attacked by a sentient shopping cart but <laughs> oh that's it, cool i like everybody the right away is like okay it's in a parking lot everybody knows what goes on there everybody's been to one of those places you know so you get it and i know like we were talking about beforehand with one that we i personally and maybe it's just because i ran it grandma club when we ran it we, we, we went way off the track for that and if you watch go back and watch that i remember when we were playing that game the beginning was rough because I felt like we had to find the story there oh, uh, because it was just like old ladies like trying to do something. So yeah. when we started, I'm like, okay, there's, you know, some Karen at the, you know, <laughs> at, you know on, the, on like the board and she wants you to like, she's going to tell you how high your Classic. lawn can be mowed or whatever. Yeah. And then we introduced Marv okay. and like, it just, and then everyone was like, okay, I know, I know where we're going now. We're going into insanity. But it took a while. It took like a half hour, 45 minutes of us just kind of like flailing mm-hmm. around to find that. Mm-hmm. And that was because that was, that's a one-page RPG. It had prompts where you could like roll dice, pick a thing, but none of the things applied to what we were trying to do mm-hmm. or what we yeah. ended up doing. And I, I was going to say, I think that's an important thing for, for like a short game is that it, it has to be pretty cohesive, which we've kind of already talked about. But also like it shows that you don't need much to tell a really good story, but you do need some structure there, yeah, right? And that's yep. and like really good short games have that and they do that well somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it at all until I play it and I'm like, wow, this worked out think, so well and I don't know how. I think, I think it's because <laughs> and it's like I know Ben's like short order apocalypse is, is built that way. Where yeah. Like, it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. The beginning is you get a deal with the devil. The middle is the part that you play and then the end is what you're shooting for the end of the world. Right. And that's one of the things I was going to say, that's one of the things that I really liked about Ben's games that you don't really get much in short games is that progression within Mm -hmm. a short game. Right. Like most one page RPGs, you get everything beforehand. You have got the structure set up. But like 
with your game, there was like something that happened at certain points within the game and it's already built into that system and that I thought was really, really cool. Yeah. I, I haven't seen that before. Really, really hard thing to do uh, in a, even in a bigger game, but to be a short game. Is yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that brings me to some some of my like design philosophy too is player rewards, right? That's really important. Like if you your, your players don't feel like they're progressing, the story falls flat. It, it becomes mm-hmm. stagnant and that's something you only get out of larger RPGs, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. You really don't see that in the smaller RPGs. There are some. There are a few that do it. But for the most part, that's not something that you see. And so to keep a story moving forward, you have to have progression. So you have to add the progression in the mechanics or the story doesn't move. Mm-hmm. So that's what you're talking about, like the grandma's club. That's it. That was your issue. Yeah. It was, yeah. That was exactly yeah. the issue. It was just it was. In a, I think it was also designed to play a very different story than the one we. Oh yeah, yeah, it's definitely it. <laughs> something. Co- yeah, you're not right. trying to destroy the world. Yeah, absolutely. Right, right, yeah. but but uh, but it was um, no. Even even I think the game itself was designed to do something way different than what we we. It was yeah, designed we went for very like English grandmas in the countryside. <laughs> we wound up with like Florida swingers, so it was it was a very different game uh, than what it was originally intended to be. So you know, even they had to their credit, they had prompts within the game, but we they didn't apply to what we. Were trying to do so we had to almost like invent as we went but Mm -hmm. um i think you know mechanically too with these games typically you have a very very simple resolution system with the dice and it's hard to keep that interesting oh yeah you typically say you roll over this whatever and one of the things that you know i know we talk about prior to going on stream but i'm going to say it again now is when we were playing midnight codex and you know your omen die if it's over the other dies, something bad happens. And you only have three of those, three of those, you know, and then you strike out and they add up quickly. And we got to a point in our game, not to give spoilers away, but like we had two on the table already. And, you know, we'd rolled two and the third one ends the game and we did not want to run roll dice. And when you rolled, you know, someone in the chat was like, I got a knot in my stomach watching us on Twitch live when they mm-hmm. roll and you almost didn't care if you succeeded or not as long as the omen die wasn't over the other die you really that's what you were worrying about which is great because it's it's hard to you know it's hard to keep that interest that part of the game interesting and it, it also leads to other things you might not notice there there's subtlety in that too that's all about like um wow so it's leaving yourself design space in the rule system, too. It can be simple, but still give you design space. And if you have too simple, you might not have the design space to play with, right? So that's kind of one of those tricks, again, that I used in that um, to put that together. But one of the things you don't realize is that there's actually player choice every time you roll. So that's something else you don't really get out of a role-playing game too often. Is you, It's kind of like roll and move in Monopoly. Let's roll and see what happened, you know? But... Here, I'm letting you choose. You can re-roll those dice. You mm-hmm. always have that chance, right? Even though, you know, the omen dice is a one, well, why not go for it? You know, why not roll it and see if I can get those doubles, you know? Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, roll against the uh, the other dice to see if I can get those doubles. And there's actually odds and statistics in your favor for trying to push those limits. So say, like, your um, omen dice is at a five, you know, and you've got a six on the table and a one, you might re-roll that six and one to try to match that five at a 50% chance. That's a 50-50 just to be able to succeed, and you wouldn't trigger an omen. Where if you tried to re-roll just the one die, you're only getting 16%, maybe 30% chance of succeeding on that. 
And then, oh, you're playing it safe, but, you know, you weren't given that option otherwise, you know. So it's one of those things like player choice also really matters. I want the players to feel like everything they're doing, they did it not just because of flop roll. They chose to. If Brady was here, he'd be crying right now over the stats. I know. Oh, I yeah. was literally thinking the same he, thing. He absolutely would. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, oh, yeah. I think that's one of his questions. One of the – Rainy can't be here tonight. So, uh, first of all, let's make fun of him. Rainy, cards and RPGs suck. Uh, and you're not here to defend yourself, but you'll probably edit that out. (laughs) Don't worry, Rainy. I'm on your side. (laughs) I'm just like to give Rainy a hard time. Uh, One of the things uh, he sent me a bunch of questions to ask me. Hold on a minute. Uh, Two of them are are good segments here. One would be, what do you think the minimal, so we're talking about like these mechanics and these one page RPGs and stuff. What do you think the minimum, what do you think the minimum, product you can put out the minimal viable product what do you think that is like you know how short can we go and still have something that's oh um uh shorter apocalypse was originally uh 23 words on a business card yep damn yeah i don't think and it was the same mechanics and it had the same exact theme and everything was there i only made it a one page so i can get it a part of that um uh tiny tone Mm. otherwise it probably never even happened that's amazing now, I'm with you. I think I think you can go very very short and still have a a, a viable game. I really do. Mm-hmm. This is good. Yeah. There's all out of bubblegum that's out there, where it's just like I'm 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 there to you play an action hero. I'm there to kick ass and chew bubblegum, and then I'm all out of bubblegum. Yeah, you just, there's you literally there's have that. Like sticks of bubblegum, and you know there's stuff like crazy stuff like that. That's it's just it, a, a couple lines of, of text. I mean, and like I'm working on one right now where it's just a uh, flick a bottle cap across the table as a resolution mechanic. So it's a dexterity based game, kind of like uh, I'm calling it uh, zombie hockey and you're playing <laughs> zombies in a hockey league and the, you flick a table, uh, flick a bottle cap across the table to use as a resolution mechanic. And if you can get it past the GM, the ref or goalie or whatever you want to call it, then you succeed. Otherwise they shoot back on you and so on and so forth. <laughs> so, I mean, it just really depends. Uh, I think I've heard of, um, there was a just the roll one d six on a four or greater you succeed. There's that game. That's not really a game though. See, that's what I'm talking about. Like having that's just design space. Yeah, that's just a yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, need you need design space, right? Right. Because how do you how do you strike? Because there's when you're doing that, there's a balance between okay, you have the mechanics and games like this by their definition have very very minimal mechanics. Mm-hmm. But how do you balance that with a desired experience? Yeah, like how do you how do you like create some sort that's of where, that's story where the art, structure? That's where the art yeah. comes in. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, uh, okay. How to do it. So yeah, that's that's all about years and years and years of uh, writing and and learning those mm-hmm. techniques and yep. doing the math and homework. Like I've spent at least ten years on uh, uh, physics and combinatronics and things like that to really understand the math and mm-hmm. understand psychology, researching that to see what people understood and what they didn't understand. I like to use uh, a lot of tricks in my games uh, where you don't really have to tell people what a wizard is for them to know what a wizard is, you know? Yeah. So when I use the word wizard, immediately there's an image that pops in your head, mm-hmm. right? So I use a lot of that. Um, you know, it, it sounds negative, but it's not like a, a cliches or stereotypes and things like that, because you don't need to break everything down to the littlest finite point, as long as you understand what people understand. Mm. So... I can get away with giving large amounts of information, both narratively and mechanically, as long as I write to those strengths. 
Yeah. That, yeah, and that's very that, true. That, that comes that comes right. through in Midnight Codex where, you know, mm-hmm. you get you get uh, you know, an episode where it's like, you know, a page or two pages maybe. But mm-hmm. within that, you have locations, you have NPCs, and you have you have a, you have like the the implied world beyond that. Right. And, you know, there's and, a feel to that because of the NPCs, mm-hmm. because of the, the locations that are given, because of how they kind of tie together within that story. You know, it's very easy. I, I think it would be, I don't know, Sarah could speak this because she ran the game, but it would be easy to pick up and be like, okay, I know what the theme is here. If they want to go to a hospital or, you know, a taco bar or whatever, this is what it's going to be like in this city. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. And, exa- and, and again, you say taco bar and immediately I have a picture in my head. Like if I was going to run a game, I knew exactly how to, right, 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 right. Our pictures are probably very, very different, but Mm -hmm. that's okay. Right, right. It doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And and that's kind of it. And so it's, it's using that trick over and over and over and over and over again Mm -hmm. to really bring it together. And then like Sarah's the imagery, right? So that's a really important part of it is how not only the pictures that you see, but how they're laid out on the page and the order that they're laid out, uh, you know, uh, being able to understand it's like cause and effect, if you will, right? You don't tell somebody that they fell through a wall after being punched. You say they got punched, then they fell through a wall, right? And you have to be able to set that up in a mm-hmm. rule system that small. You got to be really, really, really tight with your cause and effect on that. Nice. Yeah. So uh, do we want to touch on other... Because uh, we've been talking, we've got named a couple in particular that we've been kind of gushing over. Uh, do we want to touch on other favorite rules like games or systems so that we can give people uh, another kind of set of recommendations of things to to look out for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think for me, I, I think I'm just biased. This is more just biased because I think it was my very first one page RPG that I ever played. And it was actually, I don't even know if it was one page, but it was Goblin Quest. And it was the first, like, non-D&D, like, game that I had played or non, like, big book RPG, tabletop RPG that I had ever played. And it was great. I, like, did not know until then that I could play, like, a game or a story in one night and it'd be great. Just, like, so much laughter, so much fun. Goblin Quest, I I don't remember everything about it you basically have five goblins and you play one until it dies and then you get to play the next goblin until you're out of goblins <laughs> and you're just like trying to go do something like get a stick or something like that and it was great i had so much fun that night and that's when i started to learn that there were other games out there that could be just short and great and you could tell a great story in a short amount of time and so easy to understand so that that's my my go-to is goblin quest yeah my my loving my loving heart vote will go back to actually hilariously similarly enough uh, around when I started getting into RPGs uh, when I was in college and undergrad. Uh, it's Fiasco. Uh, it, for for someone that if if you've watched any game I've played in, I'm very obviously more of a role player than a, a mechanics person. Uh, and that is like all fiasco is, is like, yeah, you roll some dice at the beginning. Yeah, those are pretty much just used to uh, determine your character, their relationships, and how well or bad they do in the end. Um, and there's the the fiasco core book in itself is like 10% rules, 90% scenarios yeah. and fun tables. Uh, and, and you have like so many varied options with it. Um 
first time I played Fiasco, we were a news crew going into a haunted house, played a game where we were uh, superheroes, but it was like a business, uh, and I played like an unpaid intern. <laughs> um, there's 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 so many uh, weird and wacky ways you can go with it, so Fiasco will always have my heart and my vote. <laughs> go ahead, Ben. You're the guest. You can go. No, oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, it's hard for me to land on one. Because, you know, this is kind of like my wheelhouse, right? That's no, like you don't have place. to land on one. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give a couple. Uh, but, you don't have to just name one. I have another. Oh, okay. Well, uh, the, probably the most influential for me, and that one that I'll play at any time, is Rises. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Rises. Uh, yeah. This is a uh, couple of pages long. It's free. You can pick it up online. It's been around since the 90s. Um, mm. And it's, uh, you create a character however you want. They call them cliches in that book. Uh, say, for instance, Wizard would be a cliche. Uh, Jackie Chan would be a cliche. You pick a couple, assign some dice, and roll the dice pools equal to your cliche. And you can create a character literally from nothing in that game. And it plays so well. You play it like Dungeons & Dragons on a grid, or you can play it narratively. You can do pretty much anything you want with that game. So mm. I, I like to give it as much credit as I can. And then the one that got me to writing, the one that I really, really, really was it really opened the door in my mind and it's it's such a, a basic game as cobalt's ate my baby i don't know if you guys <laughs> never, you guys heard of this by uh chris o'neill over at uh ninth level games this guy is amazing with this game you play a cobalt you're not good at anything everything has a chance of killing you and every time that you do something that has a chance of killing you and you fail you put a little check mark and that's called a death the death check and Every time you roll the dice, if the total is equal to or less than the number of death checks you have, you die. Wow. So as you continuously fail, your odds of just dropping dead from something random happens. And these are they have a whole table in the back of things you can die from, like elephants falling from the sky and all kinds of crazy things. But the whole purpose of that game is that, yeah, you're this terrible level one, level zero cobalt who can't barely do anything. And you want to go out and snatch babies for the cobalt master. That's it. Love it. One of the best games I've ever, ever played and will continue to play. play that's, that's so top cool. two right there for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to give I'm going to give top two. Um, one of them we played on stream, actually, uh, which is um, Our God is Dead by Jordan Palmer. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. I think it encapsulates a lot of stuff we talked about where, like, you know, it has a really, really limited scope. You're priest at a temple. Your god is dead. There's a festival coming up. You have to fake it. Other, mm -hmm. Otherwise, bad things are going to happen. You have to, like, weekend at Bernie's your god. And it's hysterical. And <laughs> when I played it now two times. I played it once off screen uh, and once we, 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 nice. we streamed it. And both yep. times, oddly enough, corn was very much involved both times. I don't know why. And Troy wasn't in either one of those games, so that's strange. Meant to be. Uh, but secondly, it just it has a flow to it. You know, it's a built-in flow. It's very rules mm -hmm. light, but it's just like this is how it goes. This is the flow. And you always arrive right where they designed the game to get. You know, there's no floundering there. And, and it's always hilarious. Uh, hmm. the second one. Uh, I mentioned earlier, and it's, it's I didn't name it right, so I had to look it up. It's this game takes place entirely in a Megamart parking lot, uh, and the author is Starshine Scribbles, who has an itch, and that is a game that's a little less uh, in the structure, uh, but it just has to happen in a Megamart parking lot. Can be whatever you want. You just design a character. There's a reason why they're there. Uh, they've got some spare chains and a couple of things and, you know, belongings and 
hilarity ensues. Uh, so then we had a blast when we played that off screen. It was an absolute blast. We were dying laughing. So I'd play that one again in a heartbeat. Mm. Well, what else? Yeah, I could uh, go ben, on and on and on about yeah. other uh, rules like games. Like I know thousands of them. So I mean, oh, yeah, gosh. yeah, yeah. That's some. That's something I really enjoy. But I also want to make like um, note too, like with the Midnight Codex. Yeah. Even though it's rules light, like one page, by the time you're done and you've got the whole series in front of you, it becomes a really complex monster, right? So yeah. it's not just a rules light game. It's a large game, too. If you're a fan of th things like Vampire the Masquerade or um, what's another one that's really good? City uh, of Mist. Man, I was, City of Mist is uh, uh, yeah. up there on that same level. And um, Fate, right? So Fate, Fate, if you're fans of stuff like mm -hmm. that, this definitely appeals to it's something that um, you can build upon and build upon and build upon. There's lots of little knobs and things that you can tweak and touch and do with, you know. And I, I, I really respect people who put that all into one big book. I really do. But I feel like um, when you separate it out, when you space it out like this, it gives you that anticipation. It's like watching your favorite TV show, yeah. right? Yeah. You want to see that next episode and that's all you're going to talk about and that's all you're going to think about with your group when you're playing the campaign is oh man i can't wait to see what happens next and there is a good story here there is definitely you know a lot of meat behind it if you're wanting to dive into it so yeah and that's something we didn't touch upon because i don't want to give away too many spoilers but right right I, yeah. read, I read ahead uh on the meta plot and it, <laughs> it all connects together very well and it's you know there's it's great because you get to like episode 11 and there are callbacks to stuff that happened in episode two or three. So it's, you know, it's mm -hmm. not, it's coherent. It's a coherent narrative. There's a story and a mega plot there. You're getting a campaign in addition to this, this tool set really, because that's what fate is a tool set, right? I, I right. think that, you know, it's a game, but it's also just a tool set where you can add mm -hmm. and subtract as you will to it. And this is very, very similar to that where it's like, Hey, mm -hmm. here's the basic resolution mechanic, but now we're going to riff off of it continuously with all this other stuff you can add to if you want to to make the game Absolutely. more fun. And you can certainly come up with your own stuff too, because once you, once you grasp the basics of it, it's something where you can add your own things to it. And I think that that's a mark of a very good game too, is like, can people add their own rules to it? Right. And make it grow. Cause then it mm -hmm. grows, it grows beyond its creator and that's any creator's dream. All right. And that's, uh, that's also by design too. Like, you know, I'm a community focused uh, writer too. Like I've been writing games for free for a <laughs> long, long time. And I, want people to play my games i don't want them to just um you know own one oh it's a little pretty on myself but i never crack it or i only played it once or twice right that's a sign that it's yeah it's a kickstarter game pretty much right but once you have a community behind it that's what keeps steamrolling and keep it going forward and you know people talking about it with each other that's why dnd is successful right yeah. they have a community and a lot of these one-off kickstarters they don't I'm not this is not bashing by any, by any means, but they release their product and that's it. Mm -hmm. You might see another product mm -hmm. for it in a couple of years, you know, or whatever. But after everybody has it, you're not hearing much about it. You might hear, you know, a couple of games here and there, but they're they're not talking about this. And that's, you know, that's all very much by design for sure. Yeah, I agree. I, it's it's interesting. Um, Greg Stafford, who wrote. Um, RuneQuest. Uh, this is the month. This month is the anniversary of his passing, and uh, Chaosium released something that they kind of dug up, which was uh, these things that they had in like the '70s and '80s, which is like a mm -hmm. precursor to like message boards, 
or, or like discords, which was like these like fanzines that people would put together where they would like, you know, just write additional stuff for their games oh, or yeah. whatever. And like people would ask them questions. And in the next episode you, issue, you would like answer the questions. And it was him writing yeah. in these different magazines with all his writings from his original like RuneQuest campaign. And so, you know, I picked it up and I've been reading it. And it's really cool to see because A, it was inspirational to me as someone who's writing games. So like how much like this guy who's, you know, a giant in the industry was just kind of like muddling around just like we are. Uh, and number two, the, how there was a community of people like adding things to the game, right? So there's a part where someone, he was like, you know, I wanted to make rules about this sort of thing, but the rules you came up with are much, much better. I'm just going to take your rules and use them like whole cloth in my campaign because I don't want I don't want to do the work and I like what you did and it's cool. And I think like the, that's the community aspect of RPGs that I love so much is is everybody kind of getting together and sharing that creativity and that commercial aspect of it. It's gone. Nobody's worrying about who gets credit for what. It's just this is cool. This is something that's fun. We're all going to pick it up and use it cuz it's cool. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. So Ben all right. Well, as we as we get ready to wrap it up here, uh, Ben, where can people find you on the internet so they can come? Oh wow, yeah. Share? So there's a lot of spots. Um, you can find me. Uh, let's see at itch.io. That's metamadestudios.itch.io. Um, let's see. You can find me also metamadestudios at drivethroughrpg.com. You can find me uh, metamadestudios on Discord and. Um, Let's see. Wow. The, those are the three main ones. Those are the ones you guys definitely need to know about. And I can direct you from anywhere else from there. Awesome. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll make sure yeah, all of those go absolutely. in the uh, podcast description so people can yeah. click through and, and, and there is stuff. And when does yeah, go ahead, Jess. when does your first episode okay, come out? Okay, so for the or the, our first section of So uh, we're planning on releasing the first episode on January first after the campaign ends, which is gonna end in uh, November. So just a couple months later, the first episode comes out and they're going to January 1st of 2023 to December 1st of 2023, the entire year, you're going to get an entire season. And we plan, if it does well, we plan on writing multiple seasons. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, if you you do uh, kickstart this, which you should, uh, in one of the later books, I don't remember which one it is, but just... There's there's a couple of first names that might stand out to to viewers, uh, not mine, not not mine, uh, but there's some other assholes you definitely, guys might definitely know that uh, yeah. may, yeah. may or may not be in there. And hey, you're welcome, by the way. Uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. That was cool. That's how you know you made it. When you're an NPC, you made it. Yeah, gonna be so awesome. Uh, it was it was very entertaining for me to find that on my own because I was just reading through them and I was like, oh, that's a way to hang on a second. Those are my idiots. <laughs> my favorite was what happened with Rainy, but that's all I'm saying. Oh, poor Rainy. <laughs> I'll tell you off once we're done recording. I'll tell you the story. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was like, I don't think I've read any of these. I'll have to it's, read them later. It's good. good. It's good. I think that's it, Sarah. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, thank you everyone so much for listening to this week's episode of Modified Rules. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to us on all the podcast apps worth their salt. Uh, we also have our Twitch stream at twitch.tv slash dmsafterdark every other Friday at 7pm EST-ish. 
we are on all the social medias at DMs After Dark, and you can also email us one of one at dmsafterdark at gmail.com. Questions, comments, complaints. Uh, tell us this week about your favorite uh, micro RPGs and rules light RPGs. Please give us recommendations. We absolutely love them. We physically can't get enough. It hurts. Please help. So, until next time, everyone. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just going to fade that. It's just nice, 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 nice. <laughs> nice. I'm going to make everyone's ears cringe. <laughs> it's okay. Oh!